Good morning. Welcome to Broadway Baptist Church. Uh, it's great to see everyone this morning. I, I hope uh, everyone made it here safely uh, this morning. Uh, I'm sure a lot of happy people this morning. Uh, big victory last night uh, for Kentucky. So that's always always a good Sunday morning uh, when that happens. So we're excited to see everyone here. Uh, if you're new to Broadway, we're especially glad you're here as well. Uh, whether you're new and this is your first time or uh, you're new and you've been coming here for a little bit, uh, we're glad you are here, and uh, there is a place for you in the bulletin uh, to fill out, especially if this is your first time, uh, but if you want to let us know that you came, you have a prayer concern, or uh, you have a need, or anything we can do, uh, there's this tear-off tab, fill it out, and drop it in the offering plate as it goes by, um, and check in the bulletin, there's lots of things coming up, uh, the family trip to Branson, we have our Youth D Now coming up, uh, there's plenty of ways to get involved. Um, with that, uh, we're expecting a great turnout for our student weekend, so we're very, very excited. Um, we've been talking, uh, I made an announcement a couple weeks ago about the visit with the vet uh, that the women's ministry is doing. It's not just for women. Uh, the women's ministry is facilitating it and making it happen. Uh, anyone can go. Um, the church van will be going, and they will leave from the church um, at 1 o'clock, at 1 p.m. So that is uh, next Saturday, the 23rd. So I want to call your attention to that. Uh, and if you would, please stand as we read uh, from God's Word this morning and begin our service. Psalm 47. Clap your hands, all peoples. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. For the Lord, the Most High, is to be feared, a great King over all the earth. He subdued peoples under us and nations under our feet. He chose our heritage for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loves. God has gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praises to our King, sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing praises with a psalm. God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. The princes of the peoples gather as a people of the God of Abraham. For the shields of the earth belong to God. He is highly exalted. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Thanks, Zach. This is normally the part of our service where we would begin uh, maybe with a choir special or with a, with a congregational song. Instead, um, this morning, we want to do something just a little bit different. Uh, we recognize that uh, throughout the week, we all have hectic lives. We have hectic schedules. Uh, and that sometimes when we come on Sunday mornings, we're not exactly uh, prepared spiritually. We're not in uh, an attitude of worship and a posture of, of prayer as a people. And so this morning, we're going to take just a second. And we're going to do just a little exercise uh, called an Acts Prayer Method, um, A-C-T-S. Uh, I'm just going to simply walk us through that. Uh, so I'd invite you right now, if you feel comfortable, you can get in whatever position you feel comfortable in. You can close your eyes. You can keep them open. Uh, you can stay seated, stand, kneel, whatever you want to do. Uh, but we're just going to simply spend some time uh, with the Father in prayer uh, and get our hearts prepared for worship together. The A in this acrostic, it stands for Adoration. Listen to the words of David in Psalm 145. I extol you, my God the King, and bless your name forever and ever. I will bless you every day. I will praise your name forever and ever. Listen to this. The Lord is great and is highly praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation will declare your works to the next and will declare your mighty acts. Spend just a second in prayer uh, and just simply tell God uh, how great he is. Spend some time praising him uh, and reminding yourself of his mighty acts uh, towards us as his children. The C is simple. It stands for confession. Uh, when we come in here, uh, oftentimes we bring with us uh, some baggage of unconfessed sin that puts a void, a rift in our relationship with God the Father. Uh, so this morning we're going to spend some time in, in corporate confession collectively together. First John 1 John 1.9, which is written to believers. It says that if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. In Psalm 24, 
David writes, Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who can stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not appealed to what is false. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Spend just a second this morning asking the Spirit to reveal to you any unconfessed sin in your life that would prevent you from worshiping with your whole heart this morning. The T stands for thanksgiving. As we spend some time in prayer together this morning, listen to the words of Psalm 95. It says, Let us enter his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joy, let us shout triumphantly to him in song. For the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. As we enter into our time of worship together this morning, I spend just a second thanking God for the many blessings of our lives, uh, including the opportunity uh, and the ability that he has given us through his son Jesus to worship him today. Lastly, is the letter S, and it stands for supplication, which is just a fancy word for asking God for something in our lives. Our verse for this comes from Philippians chapter 4. It says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And this time this morning, we're going to do something just a little bit different. Um, we're going to collectively sing a prayer to our Father. The words are going to be on the screen. It's called, Speak, O Lord. So this morning as we sing together and we join our voices and we join our hearts, we collectively as a congregation are asking God the Father through his Holy Spirit to reveal to us this morning what he has in store for us in this service. You can stay seated. You can stand if you want, however you feel comfortable worshiping this morning. But I invite you to reflect on the words on the screen and sing along with us as we sing, Speak, O Lord. second verse as we continue to sing together. Speak, O Lord, and renew our minds. Help us grasp the heights of your plans 
sword of time that will echo down through eternity and by grace will stand on your promises and by faith we'll walk as you walk with us speak oh lord till your church is built and the earth is filled with your glory speak O Lord till your church is built and the earth is filled with your glory Amen, you can be seated for a moment you join me as we go to our Savior in prayer. Holy Father, we've been called to worship as we bow before you this morning. Father, help us to open our ears and our hearts unto you, and that we have poured out our confessions and asking for forgiveness. Help us, Lord, to search our souls, to be still, and to know that you're God. And as our hearts and ears are open, may we hear clearly, Lord, that which you instruct us in, and then put feet on it as we go from this place today. Father, there are those this morning that have special needs, heavy-hearted, going through the process of grief, special needs, comfort them, Lord. There are those that <clears throat> have other burdens and concerns. Help us to lay it all at the foot of the cross and trust you to lead us through. For that person here this morning that does not know you as their personal Lord and Savior, I pray, Father, for our pastor today as he shares your word, that the Holy Spirit might bring conviction of their lostness and that they truly would repent and come to know you as Savior and Lord. Father, strengthen the redeemed and help us to bring glory and honor unto your name as we leave this place today and all through the week. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. We invite you to stand as we continue to worship together this morning. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him. How I proved him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus. Oh, for grace to trust him more. It's so sweet. It's so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take him at his word just to rest upon his promise, just to know the saith the Lord. Jesus, 
so I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down I will clean out to you and we thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for our sins so that we may spend eternal life together in your kingdom. We ask all these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated for a moment. you to sing with us this morning as the offering plates are being passed around. Let's sing together in Christ alone. In Christ alone my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love 
of what depths of peace when fears are stilled when striving cease my comforter my all in all here in the love of christ i stand in christ alone who took on flesh fullness of god in helpless babe this gift of love and righteousness scorned by the ones he came to save till on that cross as jesus died the wrath of god was satisfied for every sin on him was laid here in the death of celebrate the resurrection this morning. Amen. There in the ground his body lay light of the world by darkness slain then bursting forth in glorious day up from the grave he rose again and as he stands in victory the precious blood of Christ. Stand and join us as we sing on Christ the solid rock. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all of the ground is sinking sand, all of the ground is sinking sand. On Christ the through the name of Jesus Christ that we can be saved. God, we thank you that you sent your son, that you loved us enough, that you sent your son, that he would die our death on a cross, that we could have eternal life in him and salvation from our sins. God, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. God, and we thank you for the many blessings that you continually pour out on our lives. And it's in the powerful, precious name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. And you can be seated.
Thank you, Chris. Thank you, choir and worship band and um, <coughs> praise team. We now, uh, on Wednesday nights, our worship band, our brand new worship band praise team, they practice here in the sanctuary on Wednesday nights. So Wednesday night Bible study is now in the fellowship hall. So uh, after you eat dinner, you just hang out down there, and we'll have our Bible study down there. So that way it gives them, so they're not here so late, they can have the entire sanctuary. So if you do want to join our praise team or our worship band, you need to see Chris Wright. Where'd Chris go? So he's right back there at the end of the service. You need to see him and let him know, hey, I want to be a part of this, what's going on. So certainly a great job. Y'all did a very uh, great way to uh, begin the begin the service. <clears throat> Uh, go ahead and open your Bibles, book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, verse 27 through 30, and also pull out your bulletin insert here. While you turn there, I want to invite, I want to speak to the men. We have an event on, it's going to be Friday night at 6.30. If you're a man, or if you're a teenager, or you're a boy, you need to come to church on Friday night. We're doing something new. We have a wild game dinner. We have a guest speaker. His name's Gary Miller. He's coming up here from Tennessee. And uh, from Harrogate, Tennessee, on Friday, we have 11 items. Here they are. Here's our menu. This is like meat lovers delight. <clears throat> so if you love meat lovers delight, and if you love Jesus, this is the event for you. And this is really an evangelistic event. Great opportunity to invite men, invite some friends. Some folks aren't going to come to church on Sunday morning, but they'll come and eat rattlesnakes. So here it is, Western Diamondback Rattlesnake. We ordered that this week. That stuff is expensive. It's banned in California, but not in Kentucky. So we're serving it here. Now, you're going to get very, it costs so much, you're going to get very small uh, bits. Bob Tanner, where's Bob Tanner? Right here. Bob Tanner, Walt Bowman back here. Walt, raise your hand. If you have some, we have 11 so far, we have 11 different meats. These are our cooks. They need help. What we envision is you walk in the fellowship hall and there's about 11 different types of meat. You sample each one. We're also going to have hamburgers and barbecue for those that aren't into this. So even if you're not into wild game, you still need to come. Venison chili, venison soup, venison roast with onions and mushrooms, alligator gumbo, <coughs> Cajun fried alligator, wild duck poppers. Those are good. I've had that. Wild turkey fajitas, bison and boar meatloaf, fried frog legs, and fried rabbit. So that's our lineup, along with um, potato salad, coleslaw, baked beans, pies, and cake and tea. So this is free. Um, it's cost so much. We're going to put out a jar there, and we'll stand and uh, try to collect some money and recoup some of this cost, especially for the rattlesnake. But you need to come and um, bring a friend. Guys, bring your teenage boy. We're going to have a great time. I've been to these Huey Adams is working on getting us some uh, uh, gifts from some local stores, so hopefully we'll have some gift cards for like a gun or a fishing pole that you will be giving away. So we're going to have a great, this is a men's event, so uh, you can't go wrong with this. Friday night, 6.30, here in the Fellowship Hall. All the guys are invited, so that's right. We even have little invite cards here at the Welcome Center. You pick up and invite someone to come to this, so I want you to come. To help give Bob and Walt an idea, who's planning on coming to this? Because we need, we're planning about 75. Oh, come on, more hands got to come up. So, okay. I got some work to do this week, Bob, inviting some folks. Guys, y'all need, this is a must attend. It's a free meal. You can't go wrong. Uh, so, with this. So, that, and we've got a fantastic speaker who's going to be there. All right, open your Bible. I'm preaching on adultery. So that's today's uh, sermon here. We're going to see what Jesus has to say about it, see what the Bible has to say about it, because it is an issue. If you are married, what is adultery, first of all? If you are a married man and you have uh, sexual relations with someone other than your spouse, you are committing the seventh sin in the Bible. That is the sin that the Bible says, thou shalt not commit adultery. So we need to see what Jesus talks about this, and we need to see also in our Bibles uh, what um, uh, ways to avoid sexual sin. So you'll be able to follow along with your little uh, sermon uh, notes right here. This past week was Valentine's Day on Thursday. So about a week ago, I was snooping around the house, and I was looking in a closet I don't normally open. I'm one of these guys that 
if I, I could actually go months without opening certain closets and certain cabinets, maybe years in our house. But I was looking for something in a, in a closet I don't normally open, and um, I needed a new pair of slippers, and I told Sherry this a few weeks ago, and I found this pair of slippers, and it was my size. Well, I thought, I just found my Valentine's Day present. I'll pretend I didn't. I'm sure, y'all, I'm sure this has happened to you, so I'll pretend I didn't find these slippers here. So on Valentine's Day on Thursday, I didn't receive my slippers. I thought, well, maybe Sherry forgot to give me my slippers. I'm sure you have bought a present, and you put it somewhere, and you forget where you put it. It's got to happen to other folks. I know I'm not the only one. Well, it didn't happen to me. It happened to her. So I know she's not the only one. So I thought, well, maybe she'll remember later in the day. So Thursday came and went. I didn't get my present. So well, maybe, um, <clears throat> maybe she will give it to me on Friday. Friday came. Well, come Saturday. I wonder if those slippers are for another man. <laughs> whose, whose slippers are these that she's buying my size? And I found them. So Saturday, I confronted her. And she confessed that those are, that's my Christmas present. Now, <clears throat> unless Sherry's buying slippers for another man, <clears throat> uh, you know, or, or she's buying me presents 11 months in advance, the, she's nodding her head, yes, she buys presents 11 months in advance when I need them today. <clears throat> so, I mean, gosh, coming a few, uh, way, the way the spring comes here, you ain't need slippers in a few weeks. So with this, but we as married people, you as a married man or a married woman, the Bible speaks about you should not be looking outside of your marriage. Your thought life should be under control so you're not thinking about, lusting about, dreaming about other people who's not your spouse. So I want you to learn here in your Bible. Let's turn. What does Jesus say about this? He talks about this. This is on the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, verse 27. You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. There it is. Seventh commandment. That's from God given to Moses. But I tell you, everyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. For it's better for, to, for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it's better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Sexual sin is the most destructive sin. Jesus is telling us, if you're struggling with lust, with an inappropriate thought life, with actions that are immoral, you should take drastic efforts. You should do drastic things to stop that and to prevent it. Adultery begins with a spiritual snowball. Once you start going down that road, once the ball's rolling, this is why it's interesting. Jesus is preaching on adultery, but where does he go? He goes to your mind. He goes to your thinking. He goes, adultery begins not with the physical act. It started all the way back here with immoral thoughts, with lustful thoughts. And Jesus is saying, if you want to live a life that does not commit sexual sin, you must get control of your thought life. If you're constantly going around lusting after people, having immoral thoughts, one day, and the devil will make sure that opportunity happens, it won't just be your thought life, it will move to real life. That is the sin we see here. Adultery destroys the adulterer. Why? It erodes away trust and integrity. Adultery is broken trust. Your spouse no longer trusts you. Your children, your grandchildren, they all know. People you work with, they know. The integrity is gone. If he cheated once, why would he not do it again? Jesus is saying the lingering look 
that is the beginning of an adulterous heart. God expects you and I, as believers in Christ, that we control our thought life. God can read your mind. He knows what you're thinking. He Remember when the Pharisees, they, they, they wanted to kill the man. He's reading those thoughts from him, from them. And he knows what they really are thinking the entire time. So we think, well, how do we avoid adultery? Look here up on the screen. The best way to avoid temptation is not to place yourself in temptation. I know this is, this is like Bible 101. It is easier to avoid temptation than to resist sin. Remember the old Billy Graham rule? Years ago, he says, I'm not going to find myself alone, have lunch with or dinner with, or hang out or spend time with another woman who's not my wife. Now, I think like a year or two ago, that became the, you know, Billy Graham passed away about a year. And that's the Mike Pence rule. He came out and said, I'm not going to lunch or dinner or travel. I'm not going to go out. He's married to Karen, someone who's not my wife. That is very simple. But listen, men, women, that principle works. Listen, you aren't going to have sex with someone you're not alone with. I mean, that is so basic. But it's true. It's easier to avoid temptation and say, I'm not even going to go there. I'm not going to go down that road than to try to resist it. If, you're going, if your life is, I'm going to resist the temptation, I'm going to fight back, I can make my stand, you will fall. You avoid it. Remember the Old Testament story of Joseph? Potiphar's wife grabbed him and says, come to bed with me. What does he do? One of the great Bible stories. He just left as close as, I got to go. There's times the best thing to do is to flee temptation or avoid temptation. In fact, it says here, uh, 1 Corinthians 6.18, flee, K- KJV says flee fornication. I mean, you, just, you don't even go there. There's people you don't need to be friends with. There's people of the opposite sex you don't need to talk to. If, if you're struggling, if there's a possibility, if it's your thought life, you avoid them, not resist them. The Bible speaks about you do whatever you can not to place yourself in a compromising situation. Martin Luther, a great reformer, once said about sexual sin, if your head is made of butter, stay away from the fire. And what that means is you'll melt. means if you're near the fire, it's going to get you. You're going to melt and get burned. If you want to be a man that has clean hands and a pure heart, you learn to avoid and to flee temptation. Say, this is not, I don't need to go into a bar. I don't need to be alone on the internet. I don't need to be Facebooking or texting this person. You run. You stay away. The greatest lie with adultery is that you can handle the temptation. It won't happen to you. It won't happen to me. If you think that way, you're an accident, you're an adulterer waiting to commit the act. Because it will. The greatest Bible story, you don't turn there, but I'll turn there. David made this mistake. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, of all the entire Bible stories, if you ever want to read a story about how the road to adultery occurs and the consequences for that, it's found in the book of 2 Samuel. David was the king of Israel. David, he had great success. He Up until 2 Samuel 11, the man did not lose. He couldn't do anything wrong. Every battle was a win. He would go out and experience victory. His army would grow. Israel would take another city. The kingdom was strong as it ever was. Listen, adultery doesn't happen when you're down and out. Adultery happens when you're when you're at the top. Adultery happens. Affairs, sexual sin, it occurs when everything's going great. Look, I want to read this to you. 2 Samuel chapter, I'm going to read a couple of verses because this is how the road occurred. In the spring, when the kings march out to war, 
David sent Joab, that was his military commander, and his officers and all of Israel, they went out to battle. And they destroyed the Ammonites and they besieged Rabbath. But look at this. But David remained in Jerusalem at his palace. And it says in verse 2, one evening as he's home alone. Now David, remember, where should he have been? He should have been at battle. To this point, David would always go to the battles. He'd always go encourage the army. He's right there with the guys. He's at the wild game dinner. He's with the other men. But one evening, while he's at home alone, when he shouldn't be home alone, what does he do? He got up from his bed, and he strolled around on the roof of the palace. From there, he saw a woman bathing, a very beautiful woman. He was bored. Adultery. David was in the wrong place. Then he's bored, so he's thinking, I have nothing to do here at the palace. Everybody's gone battling, so I think I'll take a walk. Well, my goodness, what a walk it was. That began a chapter where David calls Bathsheba, and even when they announced Bathsheba's name, they said, this is the wife of Uriah, and here's her dad, here's her children. Like, let David know, this is a married woman. We know their whole family. David sleeps with Bathsheba. Bathsheba gets pregnant. David brings in Uriah. <clears throat> Uriah doesn't get drunk and go in with his wife. David then kills. Has Uriah take a death notice back to Joab. They, he, he mysteriously dies in battle. David orchestrated his death. Then David, after Uriah's dead, this, you remember, Uriah, and the sad thing is Uriah never knew any of this. He never knew his wife committed adultery. He never knew his king orchestrated his death. You know, in many ways, we see Jesus represented with Uriah. He was the most noble man right there. Uriah finds himself dead. Then David takes Bathsheba. The little baby is born, and a week later, the little baby dies. David is then confronted by his sin by a man named Nathan. And what was so sad is that the last, this entire chapter here, 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 26 and 27, look what happens here at the end. When Uriah's wife heard that her husband Uriah, Uriah's wife is Bathsheba. Bathsheba hears that her husband Uriah had died. She mourned for him. When the time of mourning ended, David had her brought to his house. She became his wife and bore him a son. However, look at this. Do not miss this. the most important verse. However, the Lord considered what David had done to be evil. Remember, we are talking about the man after God's own heart. We are talking about the greatest king of Israel. He committed the sin of adultery. He wrote much of the Bible. He longed after the Lord. And listen, if David can fall, you can fall. I can fall. Anyone in this sanctuary, if it's going to happen to David, whom God chose, who speaks to, who is so close to the Lord, it can happen to anyone. You guard your marriage. You guard your sexual purity. And what happened here, and as I want to share... David's family fell apart. There's consequences to sexual sin. Do you know what happened to David? This little baby here dies. After that, he has a son named Amnon. You know what Amnon does? He rapes his half-sister Tamar. Then his other son, David's son Absalom, goes and kills Amnon. These are the chapters right after, 2 Samuel 11. Then after that, uh, Absalom decides he wants to be king, and he leads a rebellion against David. And then Absalom is killed. David's family falls apart. None of this happened up until the incident with Bathsheba. This was the consequences for sexual sin. You know, for many of you, we find ourselves just like David. Sexual sin is born from a bored soul. David was bored. He's sitting in his palace, and he has nothing to do. 
Listen, if you're ever bored, that is a dangerous time. Because boredom, because when there's nothing to do, that can breed and the devil will make sure he puts something in your path for you to do. That's not going to be good. It was, listen, if you're here and you're bored, if you just feel like, I just, God, I don't, I'm just going through life. That's a, that's a phase in your life that sin is going to enter. And for some of you, it might not be sexual sin. It could be gambling. It could be addiction. It could be alcoholism. It could be overeating, whatever it is. There's a hole there, and instead of filling it with the Lord, it's filling it with something immoral. You know, here's how a way to overcome this. If you're actively serving the Lord, if you're growing in knowledge of truth of the Scriptures, that all of a sudden the attraction of sexual sin, it loses some of its power because you're engaged with serving. You're engaged in, hey, my thought life, it's not under the control of lust. It's thinking about the Lord. I'm actively serving and giving and going to what, what Jesus wants me to do. The way to overcome sexual sin is not to love that person less. It's to love God more. As you increase in your love for Jesus, as you fill your mind with the knowledge of truth and Scripture and wholesome and serving this attitude, God, I'm yours. Not, I'm bored, God, what do I do? What's, what's today hold? That, all of a sudden, it, you're loving the Lord more, and that sexual sin, it loses some of its power. Here's what, here's what it does. This is what adultery and lust, pornography... Sexual immorality does. It objectifies the person. You don't view that person. Remember how they introduced Bathsheba? When Bathsheba was introduced, when he, David sees this naked woman from up on the palace, say, whoa, send my servants. Go find out who that lady is. They come back and say, oh, this is, this is Uriah's wife, and let me tell you who her daddy is. They knew exactly. They put her in context when you sin sexually, that's someone's daughter. That's someone's husband. That's a broken dad or a broken grandfather think, my daughter's involved in sexual sin, is involved in pornography. You have to see behind objectifying the person and saying, this is, this is someone's wife. This is someone created in the image of God. This is someone Jesus died for. When you start looking at people that way, it radically changes how you view other people. They're not just an object of pleasure. They're a soul that needs to be saved, that Jesus loves. That's someone's dad that he used to bring to Sunday school and to VBS and to learn about the Lord. And he or she got sucked away from that. And then some man or some other woman snatches them up. It's shameful. Sexual sin objectifies. The person is no longer soul. It's an object of pleasure. That's what Bathsheba was to David. He didn't know who she was. Bring her on up. Tonight's the night. I don't care who she's married to. We'll kill that guy Uriah. We'll take care of him. This is, this is, we have to see people. As you grow in the knowledge of God, you view them. That is a sister, that is a brother in Christ whom Jesus loves. Pull out your piece of paper. Here we go. Four things. How to prevent adultery. This is what you should do. Look up here on the board. How do you avoid adultery? You avoid sinful thinking. It starts with your mind. It starts with your thoughts. Secondly, we avoid adultery by a welcoming accountability. Sin is born and it breeds in secrecy. If people, if no one can get on your phone and no one has the password to your computer, no one knows what you're really up to, that breeds secrecy. If you're married, you should have access to your spouse's phone and all of their social media accounts. Because if you don't, 
that temptation will occur. It will arise. Accountability, you should be welcoming that. You should have someone, if you're struggling with this, have someone, have another man pray for you about it. They should be able to look at your history of the websites you went to. Number three, take drastic measures to protect your marriage. For some folks, they may need to get rid of a computer. They need to cut the cable or the direct TV because they're going to be tempted in watching things that are not pure. They need to do something. This is why Jesus says, hey, if your eyes causing you sin, gouge it out. He's saying, guys, it's better for you to take drastic measures than to keep falling into this sin. You protect your marriage. You guard it. Otherwise, it will come under attack by the devil. We have a, the devil wants to destroy your marriage because then it affects your children, your grandchildren, and you have another broken family. Instead of coming to church every Sunday, you're coming every other Sunday. There's fallout from it. Then your children think, well, my mom got divorced. So it's not a big deal if I get divorced. And it just it's a cycle. God wants strong, healthy marriages. That's his plan and purpose for you. But you have to recognize, I'm going to fight for my marriage. I'm going to guard it. Even if I'm snooping around and I find slippers, I'm going to do what I can and wonder, whose are these? You do what you have to do. Number four, last thing here. And I know this is an old-timey cliche, but I tell you, there is so much truth in this. The couple that prays together stays together. What that means is you should be spiritually close with your wife or your husband. You should be talking about what God is teaching you. You should be praying together in an intimate setting and saying, you, God, this is what we're struggling with. This is the blessing we need in our marriage or, or my spouse. Listen, if you're praying with your spouse, you're going to stay together. You're going to, God's a part of your life. You're saying, Jesus, please come make our marriage a Christ-centered, a God-centered marriage. If there's one thing you can do, you can walk out of here today and say, I need to be praying with my spouse. I need to let them know what I'm struggling with, what my concerns are. You have to decide, we're going to be married, I'm going to stay married, and I'm going to protect my marriage. Because if you don't, I promise, there's so much immorality, there's so much temptation, and if it happened to David, it can happen to you. There's going to be those days that all of a sudden you don't want to go out to battle you just want to stay home and you're going to be bored. And then the devil hits. This morning, our invi- we're about to have our invitation for you to respond. If you're married, you need to make a commitment to your spouse. And you say, God, we are going to have a marriage that is protected and it has a, a bubble around it that the Lord is the center of. And there's not going to be anyone else. You protect and guard your marriage. You guard your time. You guard that prayer time and that worship time. The couple that prays together, the couple that reads the Bible together, the couple that worship together, they stay together. For us, if you're struggling, if you are wrestling with an immoral thought life, Confess it, Lord. Say, God, I've got to take drastic measures. I have to get rid of some of this trash I'm watching on TV. And I need to defriend people on Facebook. I don't need to see this stuff. I don't need to be looking at this stuff secretly because I know the road it's going down. Christ is calling every single one of us to purity. He wants us to have clean hands and a pure heart. And you need to be able to say, as a married man or a married woman, you want to be able to stand before the Lord. God's going to call us to judgment. When we pass away, we stand and say, Lord, I have clean hands.
I guarded my mind. I protected my marriage. I was one of those people. I wanted to live a life of sexual purity. Jesus, I pray for the folks this morning. Lord, I pray you cleanse us. Lord, help guard our thought life. Help protect, put that bubble around our marriage that people aren't breaking into it. Lord, we shouldn't have any intruders in our married life. God, I pray this is a sin that is so pertinent toward today. We are surrounded by sexual immorality. Lord, help us not objectify someone as we just see them as someone for pleasure. But Lord, help us remind this is a child of you. This is someone's daughter. This is someone's son. This is a broken-hearted grandfather who loves his granddaughter. Lord, you want us to be pure, and it starts with our mind. Lord, help us be believers who do not even walk into a place of temptation. We flee from it. We practice the Billy Graham or the Mike Pence rule. Say, I'm just going to avoid it. I'm not going to be alone with the person of the opposite sex. Jesus, I pray during this invitation. Lord, there might not be folks that want to walk forward and talk about this or confess it, but Lord, in their pews, privately at home, with their spouse, Lord, you cleanse those that have, that have been immoral. Lord, you are a God that offers that forgiveness. You cleanse any sin, and you can help make us pure. Lord, help us this this day. We just choose the life of purity and cleanliness. Lord, we pray there's invitation. If there's anybody who needs to respond, make a decision to follow you. Make a decision to unite with this church. Pray they have the boldness and courage this morning to make that decision. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We close every service with an invitation. This is where myself and maybe Zach will be standing down front here. If you want to walk forward and join our church, walk forward and give your life to Jesus, now is your time to do that. So I'm going to invite everyone to stand up.